Amen. And uh, Thursdays, 6 o'clock in the morning. That's early, amen? amen. And uh, you're done by 7, right? I mean, 7, 7.15, you're back on the road, get your coffee, go to work, um, go home, do whatever you need to do. But uh, it's a great way to start a Thursday morning. And uh, I would highly encourage you to try it and be a part of uh, a new thing. Let's just join what God has already been doing, amen, here in Bakersfield in the lives of men. So I'm excited about that. I, I had a little taste of it last year. I'm excited to see it happening right here at Olive Knoll. So thank you, Les and Josh. Jo- by the way, Josh's kids are here at Olive Knoll's Christian School, and uh, we're, we're so glad your, your family's with us. And um, Amen. Amen. Well, we think you're a blessing as well, so we're excited about that. And by the way, if you haven't figured out, the new wing has been started. They started to dig the big hole out here. So um, we're actually getting some construction done, and we're excited about that, getting our our classrooms built for our school. So after church is over, if you want to go out, go stop by the table men and see the influencers, and then go out and see the big hole out there, you can do that. That'd be great. Take your Bibles today. We're going to be in in Proverbs chapter 31, uh, starting at verse number 10 today. And um, Alan, I've got a little tiny ring in my ears or feedback. I don't know if, uh, if you can help me with that. That would be great. Um, you, you hear it? I don't, you, you don't hear it? I hear it. I, I don't, maybe it's just my ears, all right? Um, but uh, get, just take me down a, just one notch. That'd be great. Let's stand together and let's read God's word together. Um, Proverbs 31. We've been in this book of Proverbs now for five weeks, and this is the last message in the series of Five Fools. And uh, I thought it would be good for us to, um, to finish the last message in Proverbs with the last part of Proverbs, all right? So we're going to get to that today. So let's, uh, let's read together. A very, this is probably the most famous portion of Scripture in Proverbs, at least traditionally for you women, All right, we're going to come back to that in a moment because I don't believe it's just for women. I think this scripture is for all of us, you men included, amen, young and old and all alike. So here's what the word says, a wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously and her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable And her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. And when it snows she has no fear for for her household. For all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate. And where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. 
She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for Proverbs. Thank you for wisdom. And oh God, we need your wisdom. Would you just help us, I pray today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Now, we've been talking about the five fools. We've been talking about these two, these two roads, these two ways of living, the way of the wise and the way of the foolish. And, uh, and, and these, are, these are corresponding uh, or two, two paths that can go in two different directions. And we've been looking at these five different fools that are found in the book of Proverbs. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. The fool says in his heart that there is no God. Now, you and I believe that there is a God. Amen. You wouldn't be here this morning if you didn't believe that. So at least you can say you're not that foolish. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not that foolish. Now, I can be foolish at times, but I'm not that foolish, okay? There is a God. And, uh, and there are really five, fool, five fools in the book of Proverbs. We looked at four of them already. The simple fool, the silly fool, the sensual fool, the scornful fool. And uh, with those are the last four messages. And then today we are looking at the last one, which is the steadfast fool. This is the fool that is the worst of them all. He really is the fool that says there is no God. There are foolish people in the world. And sometimes we see them on television. Sometimes we see them in sports arenas. Sometimes we see them in the marketplace. Sometimes we see them in our neighborhood. Sometimes we see them in our own households. Foolish men and women who do not believe in a God or submit to God or following the way of the wise. These five fools that we've been looking at, in many ways, um, all of us were at one time a simple fool. And if you remember from the very first message, we learned that a simple fool was somebody who just lacks experience. He doesn't know. He hasn't lived enough life to really know what is right and wrong or what is wise or foolish. They, you kind of you have to grow into being um, a wise person. You have to make a choice. And Solomon wrote this book and he collected these sayings or proverbs to teach us how to live on the road of wisdom. And each of these are, 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 are worse and worse along the way till we get to the steadfast fool. Now, what's interesting about the steadfast fool, that it's only referred to one time in the book of, 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 uh, of Proverbs. All of the other um, uh, fools are referred to many times, but the steadfast fool is only referred to once. Now, you say in our English Bibles, how do we know that? It's really hard to distinguish. Because these Hebrew words that I have in italics are all translated fool. 
And so therefore, sometimes it's hard to distinguish between one kind of fool to another. Sometimes there's distinctions um, that are in the definitions, but it's not as clear. The simple is probably the easiest one because the simple is referred to as the simple one. The simpleton or the simple fool. But the other fools are all referred to as simply as fool. But the Hebrew word for steadfast fool is naba, and it's also where we get the word nabal. And we find it here in Proverbs. It, by the way, the steadfast fool, a definition of it is a vicious, materialistic, and egocentric misfit. A vicious, materialistic, and egocentric misfit. Does that ring a bell to anybody you might know? Anybody you might know that is an egomaniac, that it's all about themselves to the nth degree, this is a steadfast fool. A steadfast fool is a person who has been a foolish person for a long, long, long time. They are committed to themselves. They are committed to their ways and only their ways, and the whole world revolves around them. They are a steadfast, ego-minded, vicious person. And the scripture tells us that, that, a, that a steadfast fool, oh, by the way, let me give you, the, let me, before I get to the, to the one time it's found in Proverbs, let's look at the characteristics there. A, the characteristic of a steadfast fool, they have a seared conscience. In other words, they, they, they no longer, they, nothing ever bothers them anymore. Nothing ever moves them. They can be wrong and look you right in the eye and tell you they're not wrong. They can, they can, they can come up with reasons why they, they, they uh, believe what they believe and act the way they act. They have a conscience that is no longer open and valuable and aware of the things of right and wrong. They actually believe wrong is right. They actually believe that their wrong ways are right. And they believe it so much that they can look you in the eyes and actually convince you that they're right. That's a foolish person to the nth degree. They are self-confident and closed-minded. They are skilled in argumentation. In other words, they can argue themselves to being the right person no matter what they're doing or how they're doing it. They can convince you that they're right and you're wrong. Even though you've been thinking that way and everybody else thinks that way. They are skilled in their argumentation. They are also dedicated to drawing people away from God and towards their own evil ways. They actually have such influence that they drag others along the wrong path and down the road of foolishness. This is a picture of the characteristics of a steadfast fool. And the scripture tells us to have a fool, and this is the only place, by the way, that, the, that the, this kind of fool is found in the book of Proverbs. To have a fool, Nabal, for a son brings grief. There is no joy for the father of this kind of fool. Now, I don't know if you have children that are living the wrong way, going in the wrong direction, find themselves going against what you taught them as moms and dads who continuously go in a direction that grieves your heart, you can understand this saying that, that Solomon had, that it brings great grief into your life. 
and you find no joy in the direction of your children if they're going in that direction. My hope and prayer is that if you have one like that, you'll continue to pray for them, amen? Because no one is outside of God's ability to reach them and God's ability to save them and redeem them and draw them back to himself. Sometimes it might take some catastrophic events. Sometimes it might take some pain along the way. But somewhere along the way, we pray that the grace of God would reach those people that find themselves being this kind of fool. This kind of fool. <coughs> um, in, the, in the book of 1 um, of, of, of Samuel, there is an example of a steadfast fool. And uh, it's a great example. It's, it's an example that, that um, I don't have time to develop the whole story for you. But the example is a guy by the name of Nabal. His name was literally a steadfast fool. It meant steadfast fool. And we find in 1 Samuel chapter 25, the scripture tells us a story about David who encountered this couple named Nabal and Abigail. Abigail eventually becomes David's wife. That's at the end of the message. I'll make the connection for you. But it says his name was Nabal and his wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman. In many ways, Abigail was the picture of Proverbs 31 that we just read. She was an intelligent, beautiful woman. She, had, she was a woman of character. She was a woman of distinction. She was a woman who had great respect. But notice it says her husband, a Calebite, was cruel and mean in his dealings. In other words, it's defining for you a man who is foolish, who is going in the wrong direction. And on one occasion, David sent his, his 10 of his men to, to, uh, to, to, to meet um, Nabal because Nabal was a, a wealthy man. He needed some resources like food and supplies for his men. And so he sends his men to, to Nabal and he says, listen, um, I come to you and greet you in the name of the Lord. I bring you blessings. I want what's good for your life. Um, here's what we've been doing. We could provide protection for you and your family. Would you mind providing us some resources that we need for our men? And Nabal, being cruel and mean, responds to these men in a very negative way. He says, who, who is David anyways? And who does he think he is? And basically tells, you know, cusses these guys out, tells them to go on their own way, do their own thing, and leave, their, leave them alone. They go back to David and tell David what Nabal says. And, Nabal, and David says, oh yeah, well I'll show him. Get your swords on, guys. We're going back. And we're going to show him who's really in charge. And Abigail gets wind of this. And she is wise, and she puts aside some resources and, and meets David on the way to meet Nabal. And here's what Abigail says to David. May the Lord pay no attention to that wicked man, Nabal. And notice how her, she describes her own husband. He is just like his name. His name is Fool. Literally, his name is a steadfast fool, and folly goes with him. 
He, she meets David on the road. She bows down to him. She apologizes to David. She asks for forgiveness of David. She asks David to give, him, give Nabal another chance. She intercedes on behalf of her husband, who is an idiot. Amen? For all you wives who have done things for us guys at times. Amen? Your wife has done that a few times for you, less, right? I mean, you've been a dummy once in a while, right? You too, Josh, you know? All of a sudden, you know, she does this. And God begins to pour his blessing and David relents and doesn't pursue Nabal. That is a picture, an example of a steadfast fool. Nabal was a steadfast fool. Now, we're going to come back to this story in a few minutes, but let's now go to the other side and look at a portrait of Abigail, a portrait of a woman, a portrait of a person. Because we find in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10, it says this, a wife of noble character who can find. A wife of noble character who can find. Now, Proverbs 31 is typically a message that you would hear on Mother's Day. If you've probably been in church long enough, you've heard the preacher preach on Mother's Day about this wife of noble character. You've probably heard in women's meetings the picture of a wife of noble character. And, but I want to I expand your horizon today because Proverbs chapter 31, starting at verse number 10 through 31, is not just about women. Although it gives us an example of a woman... And it gives us a picture of a great woman, a woman, literally, a, it's a woman of great valor. Some call her a warrior woman, a woman who, who, is, who lives a life of distinction, but she is a great example of a woman of wisdom, a woman who is wise. If you go back to the very beginning of Proverbs and when we started, remember, wisdom was personified as a woman. It was personified as a woman. The folly or the foolish was personified as a woman. So Solomon personifies wisdom and foolishness as competing women. Competing women. Remember in the very beginning, they were trying to entice the simple ones. Come here, little boy. Come here, little boy. Come here, little boy. I got something for you. And the wise woman or the woman of, of wisdom was trying to draw them to a pathway of righteousness and holiness and making wise choices that were, that were going to benefit them. Where the woman of folly, she was trying to deceive. She was trying to destroy. She was trying to entice. She was trying to capture and she was trying to lead them down the wrong road. One woman was leading them to a place of being a scornful or, or a fool in such a way that they were, they, were, they were being sexually promiscuous at a very young age. And so Solomon is trying to warn his son about these two competing voices that are happening in a simple one's life. And that was there. Now we find in the very end of Proverbs that Solomon decides that he is going to end this book of a collection of sayings by giving a very famous poem. It was, it was, it was, a, it was a poem that was well known in that day. It was verse 10 to verse number 31. 
there are 21 verses there. And in the Hebrew, they are in alphabetical order. So they start at A and they go all the way through Z. And each verse is, starts with the beginning of a letter. And the Hebrew men and women, boys and girls, what they would do on the Sabbath is they would recite this poem. It was well known for them. It was an example of what wisdom was all about, of how to live a wise life. It was a portrait of wisdom. It wasn't just for the girls. It wasn't just for the young women. It wasn't just for the, 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 those who are married. It was an example of wisdom for everybody. And so as we go through this, this, this uh, wonderful section here of Proverbs 31, you're going to notice six characteristics of a wise person. A portrait of a wise person. And these six characteristics are found all the way from chapter 1 of Proverbs all the way through chapter 30. But they're not clearly spelled out. They are little chunks here and there. Some of these things we've already talked about in the last four weeks. But here in the very end of Proverbs, it's like the proverb writer says, let me give you an example of what wisdom is really all about of what living a wise life is all about. Not as a steadfast fool, not as a silly fool, not as a simple one, not as, a, as, as one who is on the wrong road going in the wrong direction, but let me give you a picture of how you should live your life. And so he gives these fives. So who can find a wise person? Who can find a person who is living the road of wisdom? He says, that person can be found with these characteristics. This is the way you should live. And he lays out six of them, and I'll go through them quickly. Number one, they love and are committed to their family. They love their family, they are committed to their family. Notice what it says about this woman, this illustration he's given us. She watches over the affairs of her household. Amen. She watches over the affairs of her household. How many women do you know like that? Amen. How many men do you know like that? Who watch over the affairs of their household and does not eat the bread of idleness. We're going to come back to that. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm. And notice what it says, all the days of her life. You see, if you're married here today, if you want to live a wise life, stay married. Stay on the same path. Be committed to your vows and committed to your spouse for lifelong. Be somebody who looks out for the best interest of your spouse. Be somebody who's committed to your household. Be somebody who, is, who works their life in such a way that you don't just take care of your business, you don't just take care of your, your, your entertainments, but you take care of the things that are the foundation of your life, which is home. Home. And God wants men and women to make sure their home life is right. Actually, the scripture says for those who are in ministry, like you were talking about, Josh, if you don't take care of home, you shouldn't be in the ministry. If you can't take care of your things at home, you shouldn't be out serving God's kingdom in God's church. 
taking care of the home life is really important. I love what it says. She gets up while it's still dark. And what does she do? She provides food for her family. Now, that doesn't mean that, men, you can't provide food for your family, okay? It's not what it's saying. This is an example, an illustration of a wise person, a personification of wisdom. He's saying she provides for her. In other words, the physical needs. Now, I'm grateful for my incredible wife. She's an incredible woman. For 30, almost 35 years now, she has done a wonderful job taking care of the home front, caring for her kids and now grandkids and taking care of me, but providing food for her family. And when it snows, it says, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. In other words, when storms come, when hard times come, she has been taking care of the household. He has been taking care of the household. And through the storms of life, and they come in various forms, they remain steady and strong. That, my friends, is a wise person. The second characteristic is hard work. Hard work. The scripture says she selects wool and flax and works with her eager hands. She sets about her work vigorously and her arms are strong for her tasks. This is a woman who is willing to work and work hard. She is willing to do whatever needs to be done to get the job done. Unfortunately, sometimes we have some in younger generations who just feel like, oh, I don't want to do it. I don't want to work hard. I don't want to give enough energy. I don't want to succeed in life. Wisdom says you're, you, sometimes you got to get up and you just got to go hard and go hard and go hard. I remember when I was a young pastor, there were times where the salary of being, my, being a pastor wasn't very much and it didn't pay the bills. So what did I do? I worked a second job. I got a paper route. I drove school buses. I, I, I did some construction on the side. Whatever needed to be done to earn the money, to pay the bills, to take care of the needs at home so that my family would be well cared for and I could carry out the work of the ministry of Jesus Christ. It was hard work. I said to my young pastors all the time, ministry is 95% hard work and 5% glamour. If you think ministry is about a stage, you're wrong. Ministry is about what goes on Monday through Saturday, all week long, getting ready for whatever happens publicly. That's what ministry is really all about. It's working hard. Yesterday, I was at, uh, went out to lunch. We went to uh, Jersey Mike's, and there was this guy right in front of me that had this T-shirt on. And so I, after, as we were standing in line, they were making my sandwich. I went up and said, excuse me, sir, do you mind if I take a picture of the back of your shirt? He said, yeah. He, I said, can you tell me the story? He says, well, I'm a football coach here in in Bakersfield, and this is our motto for our football team. Here's what it said. Don't stop when you're tired. Stop when you're done. Amen? I mean, that's, that's been pretty good advice, wouldn't you say? Don't stop when you're tired. You're usually tired long before you're done. So keep on going. She was a woman 
an example, a wise person is a person who gets it done. There were times when I was in college, I didn't want to get write that paper. I didn't want to study for that exam, but I spent the time and didn't sleep to get the job done. There were times when I had to go out in the middle of the night in ministry and I had to go visit somebody, I had to go talk to somebody, I had to do something, somebody was in crisis, and crisis never happens when it's convenient. You just do it. You get up and do it because that's what God calls us to do in the road of wisdom. Not only do we have um, hard work, but we have honest wages, characteristic number three. She considers a field and buys it. And out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. What's interesting is you look at this, look at this uh, portrait of wisdom is you find that this woman is a businesswoman. She's a, she's not only just a homemaker, she's somebody who actually is an entrepreneurial spirit. She's got a, she's got a spirit. She's out buying and selling. She's investing. She's developing. She's strengthening. She is out there earning honest wages. I want you to hear this. A wise person is a person who makes money. God calls you to work. Work is not a curse. Work is a blessing. Work is an opportunity for you to earn. Work is an opportunity for you to develop. Work is an opportunity for you to grow. And this woman is a wonderful example. And you'll find this all throughout the book of Proverbs. The other example of a foolish person is a lazy person, a sluggard, a person who doesn't work, a person who just takes and takes and takes and takes and never, ever works. Now, I know there are particular situations of disabilities, the particular situations that people are unable to work. But by and large, most human beings, God has given you two arms, two legs. He's given you a body, a mind, and a head, and skills and talents, and he wants you to use them. Use them to do what? Earn a living. To create wealth. For yourself. And God's word tells us that the number one way to earn a living is through your labor. Through your labor. And the second way is when you buy and sell, or you invest, or you loan, or you do something that takes the money you have and it creates more wealth and more wealth and more wealth. And so I, next week you're going to hear from, from our Nazarene Foundation talking about annuities and talking about retirement and talking about wills and all of those things. And that's a great way for you to think about what is life going to be like when I don't have the ability to make money anymore? Am I preparing myself for that? And am I living my life in such a way that I'm ready this was a woman who didn't earn money the wrong way. She earned money the right way. She didn't steal it. She didn't lie for it. It wasn't dirty money. It was honest wages for honest work and honest entrepreneurial. And so I would encourage you, especially if you're young, think about getting a job. 
Think about earning money. Think about becoming good at something. Think about building a business, dreaming dreams, being entrepreneurial. Those are all pathways that God would bless. Here's number four. By the way, I love that picture. I just loved all the money, so I just thought I'd throw that up there. Number four, she cares for the vulnerable. Now catch this. We haven't talked much about this, but this is found throughout the entire book of Proverbs. You will find Proverbs about the needy, about those who are poor, who are not as blessed or have challenges in their life. It says she gets up while it's still dark. She provides food for her family. Already looked at that in the first point. But then it says, and portions for her servant girls. Portions for those who are not in her family. She says she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. These are active ways of caring. God provides you with resources, not just for yourself, for you to use all for yourself. But he actually provides. You actually work. You actually earn a living. You actually make money to bless you and take care of your needs, to take care of your desires. But he also wants you to make money so that you can give away to those who are not able to do that, who are poor, who are not as... as a, this week I shared with you by email a family in our church there's a family in our church that have taken in three girls into their household. Why do they do that? Because their mom is in the hospital with terminal cancer and she's going to pass. And their mom has asked her friend who has their own household, will you take care of my girls when I pass? To me, they don't have the room, the resources, but they have the generosity and the willingness to do it. And they said, Lord, help me. And they're going to do that. And we as a church family are supporting them. Thank you so much for your generosity in helping to care for the vulnerable. By the way, did you know in, in Kern County in Bakersfield, I was just reading, there's like almost 5,000 people who are homeless. That means that there are 5,000 people who don't have shelter. Now, some of them don't have shelter because they don't want to have shelter. But there's a good portion of them that are mentally sick, who are displaced, who are addicted to some sort of, uh, some sort of drugs or alcohol or, or something. But somewhere along the way, they have fallen off the grid. We as the church of Jesus Christ have to be a people that are of compassion and kindness and generosity to the less fortunate in our community. Not just the homeless, but those who are vulnerable in whatever situation. This was a portrait of genuine wisdom. Third, fifth, they were wise in speech. What does she do? She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She is somebody who uses her words in a wise way. 
Words either bring life or bring death. Words either bring good instruction or poor instruction. The steadfast fool is trying to draw people down the wrong path to do evil things. A wise person is seeking to influence the younger generation and those in their sphere of influence with wisdom to live a life the right way. I love, one of the things I love on Facebook is to watch some of our families here at Olive Knowles who are going on wonderful trips. I see the Fords back here. They went to Fenway Park, and I just love Fenway Park. You know, Boston, they did that. But another family in our church, the Kings, they're in New York City. And Matt King and his wife, Allison, took their kids to the 9-11 memorial. And Matt posted, I had to take them there and teach them and tell them the story about 9-11. For those of us who lived through 9-11, we can't imagine anybody not knowing about 9-11. But for the younger generations that were born after 2001, they have no reference at all of that day that really changed the world as we know it. And so... You travel and you get to go to wonderful places and you take an opportunity to instruct, to teach, to mold. Wise people use words that instruct others in godly living. Here's number six, humility. Her children, now catch this. I love this portrait of a woman. She never praises herself. She never looks and says, hey, look at me and how wonderful I am. Look how much money I've earned. Look what I did to my household. Look at my kids. There's nothing in the poem that is anything about her pushing herself of how great she is. She is not an egocentric maniac. She is a selfless servant who seeks the good of others. Amen. Here's a description. Her children arise and call her blessed. May your children rise and call you blessed. May your grandchildren rise and call you blessed. May your reputation be one that people go, my mom is awesome. My wife is awesome. My girlfriend is great. My, my father is an awesome man. My grandpa, my, my aunt, my uncle. And her husband also, he praises her. And here's what her husband says. Many women do noble things, but you surpassed them all. <laughs> you surpassed them all. You are the best. I think I've said that to you a few times, honey, haven't I? You're an incredible woman. And in my book, you surpass every other woman on the face of the earth. My prayer is that you could say that to your spouse and that you would praise them. You know what Jesus does? He lifts others up. He lifts others up. He lifts others up. He never says, look at me. He always said, what did he do? He went and washed feet. He humbled himself and became obedient, even obedient of a cross and died. He is the epitome of humility. Well, this whole 
Proverbs ends with these two verses, which I think are incredible. First, he says, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. I found it on the web too. (laughs) Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Do you remember what Solomon said in the very beginning of Proverbs? He said, the beginning of wisdom is what? Is what? Fear of the Lord, right? Respect of God. Realizing God is God and you're not. That's the beginning of wisdom. He ends the entire book with an example of wisdom and then gives the greatest example of all. This is a woman who deserves to be praised, not for her beauty, not for her gold, not for her wealth and her riches, not for her business practices, not because she's a, she's a, she's a new modern woman, but because she, she is a woman of God. May you be a woman or a man of God. Give her the reward she has earned And let her works bring her praise in the city gates. May you live your life in such a way that your reputation, not only of the people that are closest to you, but the people of the community that see your life, say you are a man or a woman of God. Amen. Worship team's going to come. And as they come, I'll remind you of what the Scripture says about Nabal, the steadfast fool. The Scripture says that eventually, here's what happens to Nabal. Then in the morning when Nabal was sober, by the way, you know what Nabal did after, after his wife interceded for him? He went out and got drunk. He was a fool. He was out of control. He didn't even know what his wife had done for him because David was going to cut his head off. He didn't mess around back then. But he, she intercedes for him and he just acts like a fool. And then it says, in the morning when Nabal was there, his wife told him all these things. His wife told him what she had done. And his heart failed him and he became like a stone. Literally, he was like, I don't care, whatever, whatever. His conscience is so seared that he doesn't even have any remorse about his activities or his actions or his attitude. About 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. So you know what David did? A wife of noble character who can find He's so impressed by Abigail. She's now a widow that David goes and asks Abigail to marry him. Why? Because she's a woman of character. And who can find it? As we conclude this service, here's my question for you. How's your portrait today? I mean, measure yourself against those six characteristics. Do you love and commit to your family? 
Are you a hard worker or are you lazy? Are you earning honest wages? Do you care for the vulnerable? Do you use wise words, speech? Are you humble? And love God with every ounce of your being and want him to get all honor and glory through your life. You don't praise yourself. You let others do the praising of you. You don't look for a pat on the back. You look for a pat from the one who gives you honor. And you let those things take care of yourself because you live your life for Jesus. Amen. As we conclude with this wonderful song, Trust in God, if you need to pray today, the altars are always open. Why don't you come talk to the Lord this morning? Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the portrait of wisdom. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a picture of what a wise person lives like. Help us, oh God, not to be a steadfast fool or any of the other fools, oh God but to live our lives for you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. And as we sing, like I say, if you want to pray, please come. Talk to the Lord.